and verse number 33. Luke 23 and verse number 33. Hold your Bible. Hold the place there. And we're going to talk about a place called Calvary. What happened at Calvary changed the world, changed eternity, and changed the way things uh, happened and the way things operated. So you pray tonight while we try our best to shroud ourselves in God's power and stand against the enemy with the sword of the Spirit in our hand and fight and wage warfare against the powers of darkness. Father, I come to you tonight thanking you for the blood because I need it all. I want to thank you for the protective covering that the blood gives my soul and spirit. I want to thank you tonight. It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And tonight, Lord, I need your presence. But not just your presence, I need your protection. Not just your protection, but I need your person. And not just your person, but I need your power. I need your purging. I need your blood to stand with me while I wage war with this sword against the powers that would be against us. I give you glory and thanksgiving tonight for who you are and what you're going to do for us. We'll be eternally grateful. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Look at Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Let me read that again. When they were come to the place which is called Calvary or Golgotha, the place of the skull. I had the privilege to preach to over 50 people at the base of this mountain or this hill called Calvary. Years ago, had the opportunity to break open the Word of God. And this is one of the verses that I read. And as I read it and preached, I was looking at it. That takes and puts a whole lot of thrill in the hill when you get to see it while you're expounding on it. And so verse number 33 said they went to Calvary. There they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Look, if you will, please, with me tonight for just a brief moment at three things that were changed forever in time and eternity because of what happened at Calvary and the death of Christ. Write this down. First of all, the atonement was changed. The atonement was changed. Look at Hebrews 9 and 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. How? Through the blood. 
Where was the bloodshed? It was not at Pentecost. It was at Calvary. It was not at the Sea of Galilee. It was at Calvary. It was not at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. It was at Calvary. And Calvary covers it all. Calvary took place, and some changes were made. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more? I mean, if a goat could take care of Israel, a calf could take care of Israel, a bull could take care of Israel in the atonement of the Old Testament. If they could take care of the sins of Israel in the Old Testament, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serving the living God. May I say to you tonight, under the Old Testament economy, God chose the Levitical laws that he gave to Moses, and by keeping those laws, an Israeli was justified by looking toward Calvary, and now you and I, through the blood of Christ, are justified looking back at Calvary. In the Old Testament, the entirety of the Levitical laws was set up to take, it was salvation on a payment to be paid. It was salvation through the blood of bulls and goats and sheep and, and the ashes of a heifer. Sprinkle there on the mercy seat. But he said if that was good enough to please God, I mean if an animal could take care of the sins of mankind there in the Old Testament, how much more? I'll tell you, uh, I know some that were sure glad that Jesus died. The goats were, and the bulls were, and the calves were. But I want to tell you, thank God I was. I'm glad tonight that I'm in the New Testament economy. I'm glad tonight my sins were not paid for by the blood of a bull or a goat or a sheep. I wasn't looking forward to a payment to be made later. I was not making installments as those Old Testament Christians were. But praise God, I'm glad I'm in that blood-washed van, that standing, looking back at Calvary saying, You see, at Calvary, the sacrificing of animals stopped. The atonement was changed. I got to thinking about this uh, the other day and how glad I was that I was on this side of the cross. How glad I am that I have a God. I don't need to hunt the priest to pray for me. I don't have to let him go into the Holy of Holies once a year. I don't, I have, to, I don't have to have him to take my burdens to God. I can bow my head and I have a high priest who is the Lord Jesus Christ and he takes care of my needs instantly. Instantly he takes care of all my burdens. Now, number one, the atonement was taken care of. Let me give you this little tidbit and I'll move on. That word is three syllables. If you break them down, it means at one minute. 
It means God brought us into a oneness with Him to where we are like unto Him. He lives in us and lives His life and His Himself and His power and His testimony. It's not my testimony. It's the testimony God gave me. And He lives His life through me. And by living His life through me, I am at one man with God. That means when I said yes to Jesus, I was no longer at odds with Him. I was no longer separated. Good grace, this alive. I was no longer separated from Him. He said, Come now unto me. I'll draw now unto you. You come close to me, and I'll come close to you, and you trust me, and I'll make you one with me. The Bible says when he comes again, we shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. Oh, I remember. I want you to go back with me for just a moment and remember when you were at odds, at enmity with God. Remember when it didn't bother you to drag his name in the sewer? Can you remember when blasphemy used to be regularity out of your mouth? Go back and remember with me tonight when your spirit got so bitter and so infected that you would retaliate and become as vicious as a raving wolf. Mm -hmm. Remember when you was walking alienated from God and without Him. You were, you were in your sins, in your trespasses and in your sin. Guilty was all over you. You didn't even know how to get out of it. You didn't even know that how deep you was in it. And you didn't know how to get to the exit door. And then one day God, in His loving mercy, Stop by where you was caged up. Where the devil held the keys to the lock to your cage. And God took the keys out of his hand and unlocked you by the power of God. And the atonement at Calvary made it possible. His blood at one minute. You are never at one with God without blood. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, what? There is no remitting or remission of sins. There's no taking those sins and hiding them behind his back. But when you put your life in his watch care, you are at one with him. See, I read this book about what God says about issues, and he and I agree because he said it. And I'm his child. I agree with it. We are at one on the philosophy of the details of life. I don't always do as I ought to, and I'm sure there's one or two in here that feel the same way. I don't always exercise my righteous rights like I should, but I sure am glad there's no trouble with my atonement. Now, let me ask you a question. At Calvary, the atonement was changed. No more bulls, no more goats, no more pigeons. Don't buy doves. You don't go in once a year to the, to the Feast of, the, of, of Pentecost. You don't go in to the Feast of Tabernacles. You don't go in and hope that the priest will get your need met. 
uh, in the Holy of Holies while you stand out with the Levites and praise the Lord on the east end of the tabernacle. No, that's not what happens at all. You see, God has given you. He said, now let, let us come boldly. Walk right into his presence. And bring our request, and make our request known unto God. How did that happen? It happened because the atonement was changed. No more, no more bull blood, goat blood, sheep blood. Now it's God blood. Number two, look at something else. And after you're here tonight and you're lost, and you've never been saved, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, may I say something to you? You're not at one with him. There's no agreement with you and him, and you're standing under the judgment of God instead of under the mercy of God. Come to him tonight. Trust Christ. I don't want to be a Baptist. We're not trying to make you be a Baptist because being a Baptist won't cut it. But I promise you this, if you get saved and trust Christ, you'll see a difference happen in your life to the point you will literally wake up in the morning shocked that you're not cussing everybody out anymore. Am I right? Number two, here's the second thing that was changed. Authority was changed at Calvary. Not only at Calvary was our atonement changed, but authority was changed. Amen. Authority was changed. Now, where I come from, whoever holds the keys to something has authority over that something. Whoever has the key to a house usually has the right to enter it. And the person who holds the keys to a car usually has the right and privilege and authority to crank it. Whoever has the keys to any particular locked and kept under lock situation, if he holds the keys to it, then he has authority over it. Revelation 1 and 18. I am he... Jesus said that liveth and was dead. In other words, I'm he that was crucified, nailed to a cross, bled to death, but oh, one small minor detail I must reveal to you. I was dead, but I got up. I'm alive. I live. Was dead, but am alive. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. He just got so happy right in the middle of it. He just hollered, Amen. And he said, Then I better finish. And he said, And not only am I alive, but I have the keys of hell and of death. Now, where did he get them keys? At Calvary. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that he led captivity captive and set him free from a place called paradise in the heart of the earth. The Bible says that hell hath enlarged her borders. The Bible says that that rich man looked across that great gulf in Luke 16, and he saw Abraham, Father Abraham, holding that crippled up beggar in his arms who didn't have nothing in this life and everything in the life to come. That rich man is in hell. He lifted up his eyes. In hell, the flame 
angels are laughing up around him. In hell! But in hell, he can see across that chasm. He can see across that great gulf fixed. No man can change what God fixes. And he fixed the gulf. And he looked across and saw in Abraham's bosom, he saw that, 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 that little poor, crippled up, pitiful beggar in the arms of Abraham. Now, when Jesus died, he went into that side of paradise where the Old Testament saints of God were. They didn't go straight to glory when they died. They went into paradise, a holding cell. A camp meeting waiting on the Messiah. A camp meeting waiting on the Messiah. And when Jesus died, he went into that particular place, that compartmentalized place, and he led captive those that were in that place. He led them, he led captivity captive and took them out, bless God, and they went into glory with him. And that whole thing, there's where hell enlarged her boy. That whole thing became hell. And God took everything in that area. They were not in hell. They were in paradise. Hades was across. Sheol was across that great gulf. And he took that whole Old Testament crowd into the presence of the Father. Why? He took authority. He took authority. I want you to... Have you ever thought of where... The devil got authority. Exactly. Exactly where he got. Did you know that God gave Adam dominion? He gave Adam and Eve dominion over everything. Look at here. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them. Let us make man, but let them. Are you listening? Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him, male and female created he them. In that verse, who has dominion on the earth? Adam did. God created him in his likeness, and he also had property value to his estate. Then the devil wiggled in, and he deceived these two. He said, God will not really give you if you eat of that tree of good and evil. Well, the woman said, he said he would. Why, you don't, you think he loves you too much to kill you? He's not going to kill you for just an apple? What kind of God would kill you over? Well, he kept talking, and before he knew it, he had Eve consenting and Adam following. And at that moment, the Bible teaches us that, say, check it back in the Bible, and you'll find out from then on, he took the principality of the power of the air, where Adam had dominion, now Satan has authority. Satan rules in many situations and circumstances in my Old Testament Bible. Satan works, and Satan acts 
exercises his power. And he has God-allowed authority. Yes, sir. But he took it from Adam when Adam gave it up for an apple. I would say he sold out cheap. What would you say? But you know, so do you. And so do I. We sell out the dominion God has given us to taste the fruit of this world instead of the fruit of the world to come. And the Bible teaches us that he had authority. But, but Calvary. Calvary changed it all. You see? Because when he said it is finished, what was he talking about? He was talking about, I'm pulling the sting out of death and I'm taking dominion back from the devil himself. Adam gave it up. In the first Adam, losses built up. But in the second Adam, glory to God, hallelujah, victory began to mount. <laughs> yes, sir. He gave him power, but at Calvary he took a You Now, you know one of the greatest problems that you and I have in dealing with the powers of darkness and dealing uh, with the devil himself and dealing with de the, the demons of hell that, that, that put things on us we ought not keep and to bring things around us we ought not allow. I mean, we just keep putting up with stuff that I don't, I, I certainly don't think he has authority to give us because I think authority was taken back to Calvary. But you know, I got to thinking about this. If I have a gun, I have power. I can shoot you and stop you with my power, but I don't have any authority to use it. Am I right? A policeman has a gun. He has power, and that badge gives him authority. Now, the devil has power, but he ain't got no authority. Because Christ on the cross changed all that. Okay. He has power to come and carry you. I'll make you sick, but he don't have any authority to keep you sick. Because Jesus at Calvary stole. He stripped him naked before the world. Stood him up with nothing but some minute power left, but he has no authority. Do you know as a child of God, you have more of God's authority in you and on you than the devil has authority to operate around you. I know that bothers some of you because you're weak-kneed about it, but I want to tell you something. I'm not going to live beneath my privileges as a Christian. I'm glad I don't have to sit around and listen to it live. I'm glad I don't have to sit around and listen to his innuendo. I'm glad I don't have to sit around and listen to his accusation. I'm glad I can stand up and take the Word of God and preach the gospel with power and the authority of Jesus backs it up and the devil sits around and does what he can with a mealy mouth attitude to tell me he's got power, but bless God, he ain't got no authority. 
need to quit. <laughs> I saw a documentary the other night. Give me that burn. Look at that. Look at him. Look. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. How much principality and power? All of it. Who's he talking about in Colossians 2.10? Jesus. God put in him, and God invested in him on the cross, and he paid for your sin debt. All authority over the enemy, over principality and power. Notice what Ephesians 1.21 says. For above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that one which is to come. <laughs> Look at Colossians 2. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all. <laughs> How many things did Jesus forgive in your life when he saved I said, how many things did Jesus forgive in your life when he forgave you? All of them. You say, well, men keep doing I didn't say how many did men let you out of. I didn't say how many did men pay. I said, when Jesus paid for you, how many sins did he pay for? I got Bible that says he paid for all of them. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Then verse 15, and having spoiled. Do you know what that word means, Steve? Are you putting a sermon again? Don't do that while I'm preaching. He takes my stuff and puts stuff together, and then he goes and preaches it and says, God gave it to me. God ain't never gave him nothing. He gets it right here from me. Do you know? Get it wherever you can. Do you know? Where is that word? Uh, well, uh, let's see. And uh, yeah, having spoiled. Boy, don't look that one up. Do you know what it means? It means to paralyze, to render motionless, to render without movement. The Bible says, having rendered without movement, paralyzed. Principalities and powers. He made a door of them open. Triumphing over them. The only access the devil has to your life is the access you give him. And where you don't want him, put Jesus. He will not want a fellowship with him. I promise you this. Hebrews 2.14 for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that hath power of death. That is. See all them. Y'all got to read all them verses. You got to quit playing with them. Tickle your fancy and feel good and make you hold your hand up. And you need to know that he has already dealt with and and taken to task the demons of hell. Oh, look at this. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Who can he devour? People who are ignorant of his abilities. That's the only person who's ever going to die yet. 
sinners who don't know Jesus and ignorant Christians who don't know Jesus has already paralyzed in my life. Precious Allah. I wish somebody would get half of what I'm getting. But I was watching a documentary the other night. just happened to get, get into one of those um, one of those Discovery Channel deals and and uh, and they were talking about lions and they were showing these 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 young lions who were sitting out there in the grass and their ears was laid back and their teeth were showing and their lips were snarling and curled up and there was an impala not far grazing and and that lion was inching closer. You know what that lion never did? It never roared. It never growled. It never purred. It never moved to where you could hear it. Its strength and its power was in its ability to stomp quietly and to lunge quickly. But they never make a, a one uttered sound. You know which one roars? One with rotten teeth. So old can't do nothing. It can't run nothing down. All he can do is run the play to the young lion. And that's exactly what they said. They preach more gospel on that than some Baptist preachers do. They said that that old lion was like that. Oh, And the reason he was is because he's too small to catch anything and his teeth to rotten. He can't kill it if he caught it. And all he can do is run the play to the young ones, and he runs and gets the mouth full when they kill him. A roaring lion never eats his own kid. Because he runs everything off with his mouth. Oh. 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 I know what a palace going up there and say, hey, you got a problem? A little gazelle's going to go up there and say, want to play tiptoe through the tulip? What's your problem? He's just old, his teeth are so brittle and rotten, and his old muscles are wore out, and his legs are tired. He'll stand on one end of the sagebrush field and roar and holler. And you know what all that does is scare the fire out of them little old deer. And they run to the other end, and there the quick ones get him. And that old one trots along with his rotten teeth fell and tries to get a morsel at the end of the kill. All he can do is make you run. All he can do is control you by fear. He's rendered paralyzed. Bless his holy name tonight. I show him that I am representing and I am an ambassador of the lion killer. He has taken authority away from Satan at Calvary. And when he saves you, Satan packed up and booked. Oh, he makes his rounds to try to roar. But all you've got to say, are you serious? You think I'm going to fall for that as much Bible as I know? I have a Savior who has blood. Oh, that just causes his migraine to percolate real good. I have a Savior who has washed me. By his blood. I don't have to put up with you anymore. Somebody help me. Give him glory and praise. If you're glad tonight, he has paralyzed the devil. Satan run into the cross, but Satan did not know fully what would happen at Calvary. He'd have never let him die. Never would have. 
And before we die, what was one of the things he told Jesus in the wilderness? He said, I have all authority. In all three temptations, he used the word authority. You don't find him using it at all. Nowhere in the Bible. Because he was a false-faced liar he'd even mentioned it. Because he didn't have no authority. He said, he told Jesus, he said, I have all authority. He said, all these kingdoms are not mine. I have all authority. You bow down to me, I'll give them to you. Jesus said, you have got to be just. Do you think I came to swallow that and to fall for that lie? He said, you don't have to do better than that. You see, Jesus wasn't And you don't have to be Learn how to live with the authority of Satan himself. Bless his name. Well, let me give you the last one. I'll just mention it. The cross changed availability. Now look at the first one. It changed atonement. He shed his own blood for me. I gave him my life by choice. Then he, he took authority over my life. Well, Satan still tries to slip, and he still tries to stab, and he still tries entry. But praise God, I'm glad all authority and power has been given over to the Lord Jesus because of Calvary. And then at Calvary, my life was made available to God to be used as a vessel for others to drink from. My life without him, your life without him, was as miserable as miserable could get. Can I get a witness? Were you available for anything but to act like a demon? Were you available for anything just to act like a devil? Sure, that's about all I knew what to do and how to do. But at Calvary, Jesus saw me in my drunken stupor. Jesus saw me in my loose living. Jesus saw me in my empty life. Jesus saw me unavailable. And then the Holy Spirit came to me one night during September 1968 and says, Hey, how would you like for your life to take on new meaning? And I said, What do you mean? He said, If you'll make yourself available by choice to receive Christ, I'll fill it with the Holy Spirit and you will be an available vessel for other people to drink from. And I'd like to announce tonight I'm preaching this evening because availability was made possible. Availability. <laughs> Stand up with me. Our Father, what a joy it is tonight to be able to know what we've preached and to realize what we've preached and to enjoy what we've preached. Old Slewfoot's going to do everything he can 